You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. Welcome to our TA podcast series. Each podcast episode will begin with Negotiating Committee Chair, Captain Pat May's overview of the process on how the opener goals were established and how we got to where we are now. After that, each podcast will then focus on one section of the TA. Pat, talk to the pilots about this process and how we got to where we are now. Yeah, Chris, what's important for the pilots to understand as we present the information to them throughout these podcasts and other items of education is how we got here. The openers were developed by the MEC in conjunction and coordination with the negotiating committee, but we didn't pull these items out of thin air. They came and were driven by direct pilot input. So this is a pilot-driven contract from beginning to end. First and foremost of those pieces of information were the pilot surveys. We have surveyed the pilots continuously since beginning in 2019. Every six to eight months, those pilot surveys have been statistically significant, and it's informed the MEC on what the openers were and what level of focus our pilots wanted to have. Not only was it surveys, though, we also relied heavily on pilot DART reports, direct emails to contract enforcement, actual contract enforcement cases, grievances, subject matter expert input from our key committees. And finally, the MEC took all this information and we stepped through a very systematic process to highlight and identify the openers for negotiation. So this has been pilot-driven from beginning to end. And that's what informed us on the openers and also established the goals that are laid out in the opener. Thanks, Pat. In this episode of our TA podcast series, we're going to focus on Section 7, Vacation. And joining Pat today is Negotiating Committee member, Captain Rich Brown. Thanks for coming. Hi, Chris. What was the main purpose for the company wanting to open up Section 7, Vacation? Thanks, Chris. First thing is, as you noted, the company opened it. We did not identify that section to be opened. The company's largest concern was centered on the pilots voluntarily selling back vacation and then not flying the line in the same month. They compared that against what, say, our flex instructors were doing when they sell back vacation. And our flex instructors and LCAs who sell back vacation always either fly or train the full month. So they saw it somewhat as a fairness issue and identified it as a legitimate concern. The company's first position, however, was very problematic. It was to eliminate altogether the 24 credit hours for voluntary cancellation and only provide that for involuntary cancellation. That was not a solution in which the negotiating committee was willing or interested in entertaining and none that the pilots would ever agree to. When we saw the company open Section 7, we were very concerned because it is a bit of a third rail, so we knew that we would have to proceed cautiously at anything the company wanted to achieve here, understanding that we have the best vacation in the industry. That said, we needed to see the data for the company's claims to determine the magnitude of the problem. We actually did an in-depth look back on the pilots that actually sold back vacation voluntarily or canceled vacation voluntarily, and then didn't fly the line. In other words, flew zero. In a seven-year span, we had a total of about 16 pilots that after selling back vacation or voluntarily canceling it, they actually didn't fly. 
but it was for a variety of reasons. We dug into those reasons and we found out that some were mill leave, you know, short notice mill leave, some were emergency leave. So maybe they, perhaps they had a death in the family. And other pilots were dropping trips or conflicting enough that they were able to clean out their schedule. So we determined through the data that the issue wasn't as quite a significance, but there certainly was a fairness issue at hand. And I think the company felt that if they were going to pay the 24 credit hours for voluntary cancellation, they wanted to ensure that the pilot was going to fly their line for the month. And from that perspective, we continued to look into it and to figure out ways that we could deal with the issue. As we looked at the data, too, uh, we found that pilots on average flew more when they canceled their vacation than a normal line. So they were actually flying extra rather than uh, sitting back and not flying at home. Yeah. And so from the company's perspective, they were paying a premium. We call it vacation cancellation, but they saw it as a penalty, the 24 credit hours. And you can imagine that if they're counting on 10 pilots uh, when they do the buyback, and say eight of them fly their line and then the two of them don't fly a complete line, then they've kind of paid for that flying that didn't occur in the month. So that's what they were specifically trying to address among a couple other smaller items in vacation. So we really did try to dig in and find ways to address the company concerns. But at the same time, it brought up scenarios for us that were important for us to fix. In other words, involuntary vacation cancellation. That became a, a concern for ours. That language hadn't been addressed in quite a long time. And we were concerned about, because as we had started to see, that there were actually potential for involuntary cancellations occurring as we were bargaining this language. So we wanted to address that as well. Yeah, one of the reasons that it hadn't been addressed in so long is because we'd never really seen it happen until the COVID world. Then once it did happen, I think there were some pilots that were surprised at how that worked. And um, as Pat said, during our discussions, there was a, an instance that it could have happened a second time. So we were really interested in fixing or at least providing a better solution for those who had their vacation involuntarily canceled. So how was voluntary vacation cancellation addressed in this TA? So basically, Chris, uh, what we were able to come up with was that if a pilot voluntarily cancels his vacation, he has to earn enough credit hours during the month to meet or exceed the minimum bid period guarantee before he will be awarded those 24 extra credit hours. Well, can you remind the pilots what the minimum bid period guarantee is? Sure, Chris. The minimum bid period guarantee is 68 credit hours in a four-week bid month and 85 credit hours in a five-week bid month. It was important as we took a real close look at this data, we identified, like Rich said, that pilots were actually flying well over their actual awarded BLG. Very few pilots actually flew under that, and very few flew under min-bid period guarantee. So when we looked at a move here toward the company's concern or addressing company concern, we realized that was actually going to impact very few pilots. So the pilots that are already doing this, there's really no change at all. They're going to continue to do what they do. For pilots that may be considering dropping flying, but they still want to achieve the 24 credit hours, they're going to have to keep a close eye on the mid-bid period guarantee. Rich also mentioned the earned credit hours, and we can talk a little bit more about that as we go forward here, Chris. Well, since you mentioned earned credit hours, what does that include? So, Chris, earned credit hours include all the credit hours in uh, units of work performed, including pay only, or from which you were removed from work with pay, things like sick leave. That can be kind of a mouthful, but basically it excludes only credit hours like 
LMS credit hours, grid penalty events, or disruption-like events. It includes basically any kind of credit hours you earn for moving the freight or for your training. We'll talk about how involuntary vacation cancellation was addressed in this TA. So, Chris, during this negotiation on this specific topic, the pilots are aware that the company sent out every month requests for voluntary vacation cancellation. On a couple occasions, the company fell short of those requirements, and we began to become more concerned about involuntary vacation cancellations. In the company's opener, they wanted to differentiate voluntary from involuntary vacation cancellation. Their proposed fix was zero credit hours if you voluntarily sold back vacation and 24 for involuntary. Obviously, we did not agree to that. Ultimately, what we did is we maintained the 24 credit hour vacation cancellation credit for the pilots, but we increased the involuntary vacation cancellation to 36 credit hours. So an additional 12 credit hours to the pilots. There were two other things that occurred in our negotiation over involuntary vacation cancellation. One was to increase the time that the pilots would receive for notification. We increased that to 30 days prior to the bid month in which the pilot would have their vacation involuntarily canceled by the company. The third item that we addressed in the involuntary vacation cancellation now is that the company is required to actually submit request twice. So they have to request the first time for voluntary vacation cancellation. If they don't get enough pilots to sell back vacation, then they have to submit a second request to the pilots. And the hope there, again, is so the pilots actually, who are willing and capable of selling back that vacation, gets filled. The last thing we want to see is pilots' vacation involuntarily canceled. And we saw this second ask be successful during our negotiations where the, the second request got enough people to sell back their vacations and avoid the involuntary vacation cancellation. And on the involuntary side, again, on some of the work that we did, the, the background information, the data polls that we did, you know, we did realize and we found that the company has relied on that in the past and it would not be unheard of to see the company use involuntary vacation cancellation. So we wanted to ensure that we had a high level of attention was given and that it was treated as a, a case of last resort for the company. Um, and I think that we've done this by putting the renewed emphasis on the items that we discussed. In addition to what we added here as well was the seniority test. So if the company should involuntarily cancel vacation, now it has to be done in reverse seniority order. And then we also, while we were at that, we cleaned up and codified what has been going on under the voluntary side. So voluntarily speaking, if a pilot cancels vacation, they do that in seniority order, and we put that in the contract as well. Well, were there any other significant changes to the vacation section? So, Chris, there were essentially two other areas that changed with our vacation section. One was fairly significant, and that's currently the pilots are able to sell back a maximum of 40% of their total vacation credit hours. In the new agreement, pilots now will have the ability to sell back up to 100% of their total vacation. We just saw this as more flexibility for the pilots. The one thing that uh, we thought was a key ingredient to that and why we thought this was beneficial for our pilots was every year we have pilots that run this calculation and miss that number. In other words, pilots end up forfeiting credit hours back to the company because they missed their 40% calculation. 
um, whether it just be from bad math or just kind of couldn't work out the credit hours uh, when they came to their final vacation. But every year, pilots forego the benefit by giving vacation credit hours back to the company. This will never, ever happen again with the pilot's ability to sell back 100% of their vacation. We realize pilots uh, will still choose what's in their best interest, but we think it gives the pilots the greatest amount of flexibility, and it's still up to the pilot to determine how much vacation they sell back. Yeah, Pat, it just basically ensures that pilots get all of the value from their vacation every year. Chris, the last item also dealt with uh, flexibility. It was a smaller item. It basically allows pilots to waive the international duty-free buffer at the front of a long international trip. We viewed this just as another tool that pilots have to adjust their schedules and added piece of flexibility for our pilots. Well, thanks again for coming. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Chris, thanks again for having us here. You know, when we saw the company open Section 7, we obviously had major concerns, and I think those concerns were justified when we walked in and we saw the very first proposal on this. It was extremely problematic. It never would have passed through us, through the negotiating committee, to the MEC in, a, in that form. We spent an awful lot of time trying to deal with the company's concerns and largely philosophical concerns over paying pilots when they were selling back vacation voluntarily, but then potentially not working for the month. We were able to address that in a very unique fashion, and it was data-driven. All our decisions in vacation have been driven by significant data polls that we look back for seven years worth of data on what the pilots were actually doing. We know for a fact that this move has very little impact on pilots, but we recognize it's a paradigm shift when the pilots now sell back vacation voluntarily. They know exactly what that is going into it, but we also know that we produced real improvements in what is, quite honestly, the best vacation of any ALPA contract out there. It's now even better. It's better because pilots have more flexibility, they have seniority protections, and they have larger economic value within the context of the overall agreement. So we're very proud of where we ended up. We think we took extraordinary efforts to try and address the company's concerns. However, we did it, and we did it for the benefit of the pilots at the end of the day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our TA podcast series. Throughout this process, you can get the most factual information at our TA website, fdxta.com. There you'll find the actual TA document, TA highlights, TA FAQs, videos, these podcasts, and other information. Once again, thanks for listening, and as always, be safe out there, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>